Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome aboard. It's hump day. Hope you made it just fine halfway through the week. Uh, it is 5.06. We're a little early, Johnny. Uh, on Wednesday, February 28th, uh, Truth Over Tribalism. Uh, let's lift up instead of tear down. I know that's maybe a little different than what you hear on uh, on the airwaves in some places, but uh, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, coming up in just a moment, uh, discussion on artificial intelligence uh, with two distinguished UNL journalism professors. But before we get to those introductions, say hello to Mr. Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. Johnny? Dan, it's great to be here today. I'm glad you're here. I mean, it, it's kind of a Friday for us. It's not very fortunate necessarily. I like being here, but it's great to be here today. It is our Friday. We'll we'll give uh, an update on programming, but uh, yeah, we're we got a couple days off here the rest of the week. Well, uh, two distinguished professors from the University of Nebraska Lincoln College of Journalism and Mass Communication are in the studio with me, and we're going to talk about. Uh, the future of AI and artificial intelligence uh, in media and politics and all of that. So let me let me make some introductions here because we got a lot to get to, and I want to uh, save as much time as I can. So so I stop talking and they start talking. Uh, Professor Matt Waite uh, teaches courses in data journalism and a variety of technology-related courses, including drones and AI. And Matt and Rick, I'll get to you in a minute, young man, but uh, uh, we could spend the rest of the show talking about the accolades that you both have. So I'll just sum it up uh, that uh, Professor Matt Waite uh, won a Perlitzer Prize. So anyway, Matt, welcome to the Dan Parsons Show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we've got broadcast royalty in the house, uh, Professor Rick Alloway. Uh, teaches audio production, media writing, and content creation, podcasting, vocal performances for electronic media, and uh, and is a member of the Nebraska Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame. Mr. Rick Alloway, welcome. Dan, nice to be with you. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. I think uh, you probably trained most of the broadcasters in this building. I know a couple of these guys when I walked <laughs> in. Good to see them. Yeah, including Mr. Johnny over here behind the board. So, uh, well, uh, I am. I'm delighted that... Uh, uh, that you could both join me today. I uh, just to kind of set this uh, up, and uh, you know, days leading up to the New Hampshire primary uh, back on January 23rd, a fake recording of President Joe Biden's voice, generated by artificial intelligence, falsely suggested that voting in the primary uh, in New Hampshire would preclude voters from casting a ballot in November. And that voice of President Biden. Uh, used uh, uh, sounded just like him. So, so we know that artificial intelligence is here. Uh, I was at a conference that uh, Professor Waite was at on Saturday that uh, Civic Nebraska put on, and talking about uh, the challenges that we have, um, and, and and specifically in politics uh, with with AI, but it goes broader than that. So anyway, uh, that kind of sets up. Uh, our topic here today, but uh, Matt, jump in. I, I was fascinated, and that's why I invited you on, because uh, you were on a panel uh, on that Civic Nebraska that put on uh, over the weekend uh, on Saturday, talking about artificial intelligence and democracy, and I was so impressed by, by your presentation and others that I said, let's get this on the air, let's talk about it. So Matt, uh, what are, where are we at with this technology? The the thing that I tell a lot of people about this that's that is both 
somewhat uh, interesting and also kind of scary is that we're at the worst possible stage of this technology right now. The technology is the worst it's ever going to be. It is the most incapable that it's going to be, and it's only going to get better. And we're already seeing changes to businesses. Yeah. Um, you're seeing efficiency gains. You're seeing people losing jobs. You're seizing, You're seeing all kinds of things going on. The example that you talked about in, in New Hampshire of people using AI to fake the voice of the president. This is all happening. Um, a producer in Hollywood was building a, uh, a, a movie production company and cut back on it because of AI generated video coming down the down the pipe and they don't know what the future of movies are going to be. Hmm. So AI has seemingly gone from from nowhere in the public consciousness to exploding everywhere in a very very rapid period of time. It's on all of our phones. It can be on all of our phones. I know people that I work with uh, are constantly using it to write memos, to write commercials, to you know do all kinds of things. And so, Rick, uh, in 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 your world, in training up uh, broadcasters and other people in media. How do you begin tackling this uh, whole new technology? Well, I think first by just making sure everybody knows that it's there and what it can do and what it cannot do. As Matt pointed out, that the things that it will be able to do down the road are growing exponentially. There are already radio stations whose uh, late-night, overnight voices are all AI-generated because it's hard to find people to work those shifts. So if you can get somebody in that can say, hey, it's Dan at 322, glad to have you here, and there's no one there by that persona, that's okay, that's okay with them. The stations that are doing it ethically are actually using announcers' voices from the staff and are identifying them as being AI Dan when they're on overnight so that people know it's full disclosure about it. But to Matt's point, you've seen recently, the it was a sidebar of the SAG and AFTRA strike a few months ago, that one of the things that the voice actors were most concerned about was that they're being replaced uh, for current and potential future programs once their voice has been sampled and put out there. The production companies can say, we don't need to bring them back again. Let's use what we've got and create brief character snippets going forward for perhaps decades and not pay these people anymore. So it's something we're at least letting people know as a possibility and knowing that they need to diversify the skill base they had to do things that would be less likely to be able to be replaced by AI. And, and Matt, I mean... Now everybody's trying to catch up, and and for your jobs as professors, training up the next generation of, of people in journalism, uh, but there's also concerns about how this is impacting our democracy, the, the mm -hmm. panel that you served on uh, by Civic Nebraska over the weekend. And uh, just today, the legislature's government, military, and veteran affairs uh, held a hearing on a bill introduced by uh, State Senator Elliot Bostar here in Lincoln. Uh, from here in Lincoln, that would, among other things, prohibit the use of deep fakes of election officials to disseminate false information uh, about an election. And one of the other panelists uh, that you served with uh, on, on Civic Nebraska's uh, summit uh, on Saturday uh, was the uh, election commissioner uh, from, from Omaha, Douglas yep. County Election Commissioner, Brian Cruz. And uh, many people on the panel uh, suggested that that is going to be the target, those people, those people that are in charge of our elections, and how dangerous that could be of 
somebody sending out uh, a, a fake uh, announcement from the election commissioner announcing that the polls are closing early. You know, so it's it's uh, potentially a very dangerous technology. I need 15 minutes and about $200 to do that right now. Um, you need about a minute and a half of clean audio of somebody to mimic their voice in AI. Uh, the rest is buying the phone banking, uh, you know, the, the list of phone numbers and the, and the technology to do the phone banking, and you just pump it that way. Uh, on the one hand, this is not new. Uh, there have been dirty tricks in sure. elections all over the country yes. of, you know, political operatives calling people of a certain party and yep. saying, hey, you don't vote today. You vote tomorrow. You vote on Wednesday, not on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, or sending buses around and picking people up, uh, supposedly going to a yeah, polling booth. And, and then they, driving off in the country and yeah. leaving them there. I've been um, in, I, I've I haven't been involved in those dirty tricks, but I've heard of them. Yeah, and and they've been going on for, for decades yes. and decades, forever. So what we're talking about here is just a, an order of magnitude leap in the ability to do it and uh, and some authenticity or, for, well, synthesized authenticity to make it sound like it's coming from the person. Um, it's not it's not hard the the website that will synthesize a voice in in a few minutes uh they have a special going on right now it only cost you a dollar really? i looked at it today really which i was making it up wow and, well, when, and, and when we go ahead rick to your point about the legislation the fcc shortly after the fake biden call issued a new report and order saying no more there can be no more of these synthesized robocalls matt and i talked about that the next day saying well-intentioned good luck trying to enforce yeah. some of that because there are so many different actors now sometimes that the even the candidate that this benefits isn't aware it's happening i mean apparently in a slightly different vein robert f kennedy jr claims to not have been aware that this ad that ran in the super bowl parroting what his his uncle's campaign ad had looked like back in the 60s he knew nothing about it it was all dark money third-party money and he didn't he didn't like his family. Sure, didn't like it. No, they didn't. But you know, it's it's hard to know who's putting this out, and if you don't know who's putting it out, you don't know how to stop it. Uh, when we come back, we got a, another minute or here before we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have uh, an example of this. Matt, you put together uh, a, a news story uh, that uh, Professor uh, Alloway read, uh, and then you created uh, the AI version. And I can't tell the difference. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that in, uh, after the break here. But uh, and I think I read about uh, uh, the the President Biden example in New Hampshire, uh, where they uh, again, like you said, like they hired a voice talent for fifty bucks, yeah. and uh, zip zambooey. Next thing you know, it's out there and mm -hmm. uh, and fooling people. So it's it's good stuff. It's serious stuff. I told you this goes fast, gentlemen. Okay, come on back, and you're going to help us uh, decipher the real uh, Rick Alloway and the fake Rick Alloway voice. Uh, come on back after these messages. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around on a Wednesday afternoon. You're, you're not out doing yard work, I know that, or grilling in the backyard today, although it's marginally better than yesterday, right? So, uh, and hey, 60 tomorrow, 70s on the weekend. More fake spring. We'll take it. Um, um, a programming note. Uh, there is no Dan Parsons show uh, tomorrow. Instead, 
cheer on those Husker men's uh, basketball. Uh, they're playing Ohio State Buckeyes uh, at Ohio State tomorrow afternoon. Pre-game at 4.30. The tip is at 5.30. And if you're planning on Friday, uh, there's no show on Friday either. The Husker baseball team's taking on uh, the College of Charleston. Who knows where the College of Charleston is? I have no idea. But uh, anyway, so I get the next couple days off, and you get to listen to some great uh, Husker sports. Uh, we are back with Professors Matt Waite and Rick Alloway from University of Nebraska's College of Journalism and Mass Communications. And we're talking about uh, the risks and challenges and dangers of artificial intelligence because uh, it's here like it or not it's here um okay matt let's set up these uh, clips and uh, tell our listeners what we're going to hear so i taught a class in ai and journalism last semester and in the process of creating that class i went to rick and i said i want to pull a stunt and i'm going to mimic your voice in ai would you agree to that and he graciously did and then i said wait what <laughs> wait a minute news to me um, i said that the, the the agreement i made with him was that when we were done he got to push the delete button <laughs> to get rid of it so um uh -oh. i spent 15 <laughs> minutes and i took absolutely no effort to try to make it sound good i literally recorded his voice from a podcast using my phone out of the speakers in my office wow and I fed it to an AI and I created AI Rick Alloway. I used AI to generate a radio news report uh, from a State Patrol press release of a kid who led police on a chase. And then I had the AI read it and I had Rick read it and I put them side by side. And my students, we shared it with more than 200 people. Of those 200 people, more than 65% of them had heard Rick speak before, knew who he was, and 55% of them got it wrong. Wow. Wow. Okay, Johnny, let's hear uh, a little bit of both of those. A high-speed chase ended safely on Interstate 80 this afternoon when Nebraska State Patrol troopers apprehended a juvenile following a pursuit. At around 4.45 p.m., a trooper spotted a stolen pickup speeding eastbound near mile marker 211. Okay, that's option one. Let's hear option two. A high-speed chase ended safely on Interstate 80 this afternoon when Nebraska State Patrol troopers apprehended a juvenile following a pursuit. At around 4.45 p.m., a trooper spotted a stolen pickup speeding eastbound near mile marker 211. After wow. So what do you think? Which is which? Well, I'm going to guess the first one is the real Rick Alloway. You are correct. Yeah. But I had some tips, because you talked about this at the conference, <laughs> and I knew what to listen for. Um, but that's amazing. Uh, Rick, uh, how do you feel about that? That's, that's pretty shocking, because well, it is so amazingly close. When Matt first came to me, my concern was, will I be able to tell the difference? And uh, there were a couple of little nuances in there that Matt and I talked about later, one of which was there are breath pauses yeah. in the fake one. Yeah which the AI can build in. It can also build in pauses and stumbles and starting over again. And I have learned, as you do too, when we talked in public, to take sort of quiet breaths so we're not terribly <gasps> when we're on the air. So the, a lot of the folks who listen to it claim that, well, the one that didn't have any breath pauses must be the fake one. So there are things that, that I was kind of listening for, but I was I was stunned by how good the second one sounded well and matt like you said with a little more time you could have taught that machine to take out those breaths right mm -hmm. 
And you could have perfected it by spending another 20 minutes on it, probably. Yeah. And the amazing thing was, uh, even even in that terrible condition uh, and not great sound, suddenly Rick could speak 28 different languages. Wow. And so I had the AI speak. I had two students in, in my AI class. One was from the Czech Republic and one was from Korea, from South Korea. And they asked if he could speak those languages. So I was like, sure, here we no go. No way. And they were Oh, they were absolutely gobsmacked because here is Rick Alloway, a guy they know, speaking fluent Korean with a slight American accent that the AI invented entirely. My goodness. His Czech is flawless, except for he sounds like an American speaking Czech. Wow. Unless you think that any generation is better at spotting this than any other, I in my ethics class that I'm teaching, which of course this has provided a lot of fodder for, put up a, an AI-generated photo of a gentleman supposedly from the Gaza Strip area carrying a couple of his refugee mm-hmm. children across the border, and we talked about the propriety of showing photos like this, yes. but then I said, how many of you think this is a real photo? And everybody in the class, out of 115, nobody figured out that it was AI. It was that well done that even the people that look at this stuff all day long have no necessary advantage over folks who have very little access to it. In, uh, in fairness, a few of your faculty colleagues got it wrong, too. Oh, I know. <laughs> so. now, I'm not blaming one generation over another, believe me. Well, and, and what challenges for professors? I mean, you've got enough. I mean, between the Internet, when the Internet was invented a few years ago, that had to throw uh, your profession into a tailspin. And now you've got this. How, how in the world do you... How how can you manage that as professors in 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 your in your world? You got no choice but to do it. Um, and 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 honestly, that's the message that I bring to students in the classroom. It's like, look, you know, there's the the you know ancient proverb of "May you live in interesting times." That's sort of both a, a blessing and a curse. Welcome to the show, man. Here here we are in interesting times. Students have to recognize that the world that they are going to go out into is no longer just the world, it's the world plus AI. Hmm. There will never be a time in their working lives where they will not have AI available to them to help them do whatever they need to do. And so you might as well start trying to incorporate some of this now and learn what it's good at and what it's not good at. The other thing that I've been telling the students about is AI is probably a C, C plus writer in a, in a journalism class. But that's the problem. If you're a C or C plus writer, you're in trouble. It's time to step your game up. It's time. It's time to start putting in some work here and getting better. Um, you know, having a C plus writer around may not sound great, but it's a C plus writer at almost every form of writing on Earth. Yeah. that's the advantage. Yeah. Well, and as you pointed out, when it doesn't really know what it wants to do yet, it just makes stuff up. Completely, Talk about the, yeah. the obit that you wrote for yourself. <laughs> I asked it to write my obituary. If you have enough of an online presence and they've incorporated it in there, it'll actually make it, give it a try. Um, and it did for me. And I've got PhDs from institutions I've never been to, places I was never employed at. I've been a professor for twice as long as I've actually been there, all kinds of stuff. You still got your Perlitzer, though. I did think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, it's my pleasure to have you in the studio. Thanks for your work. we got to run. We'll be back after this on 1499.3 KLIN. Educating. Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. 
Well, that was certainly entertaining. I hope you had as much fun as we did here in the studio with uh, my guests, uh, Professors Matt Waite and Rick Alloway from uh, the University of Nebraska School of Journalism and Mass Communications. Um, yeah, it was great uh, having both those gentlemen in the studio and uh, and the legendary Rick Alloway. Boy, I tell you what, Johnny, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, most definitely. When you get to have your professor into your uh, work environment. Yeah, no, was, I have... Uh, I graduated from UNL, uh, the journalism school, in December of 2013. He still remembers me, yeah. and I haven't seen him since college. But yeah. Well, fascinating conversation. If you missed that or any of the episodes, you can always find us anytime you like on your favorite podcast platform or just go to klin.com, scroll down on the Dan Parsons page, and look what uh, find what you're looking for. Uh and I would remind you, we'd love to have you follow us on X and Facebook, because uh, we only get you for an hour a day. We'd love to keep the conversation going after hours. Uh, just a reminder, a program note, I get the next two days off, thanks to Husker Sports. There's no show tomorrow. Uh, the Husker men's basketball team, those fellows are on a roll. Uh, they're playing Ohio State out there tomorrow. Pre-game at 4.30, tip-off at 5.30. Uh, and then on Friday, the Husker baseball team's taking on the College of Charleston. Uh, so no show on Friday uh, as well. So anyway, it's my delight to welcome into the studio uh, Liz Davis, uh, a candidate for Nebraska uh, School Board, uh, Nebraska State Board of Education. There I go. That's it. Liz, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, it's great to be here. Absolutely. So, yeah, isn't that scary? Uh, artificial intelligence? I don't know if you heard any of that, but uh, as an educator or someone that's uh, running for political office and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, this, this whole new world of artificial intelligence, uh, the example of of people already using it in nefarious ways to try to impact uh, elections. So, scary stuff. And I think the education world will definitely be impacted, is already feeling the impact. So, it's a whole new frontier that we need to uh, use technology well and use it uh, to its fullest extent and all the positive opportunities and also be watchful for the negative impact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's let our listeners know a little bit about about you liz i i uh, i know it's not a small thing to run for political office i hmm. dabble in politics in my day job uh not as much as i used to uh, but uh, uh, it's a big task and uh, it's not for the faint of heart so thanks for throwing your name in the hat and and so tell us a little bit about uh, yourself sure um i am from Lincoln and grew up in Reno, Nevada. Came back here to be a Husker in 1998. My parents were Huskers, met my husband, and so we got married right out of college and have been blessed with five children. And um, in 2021, I started paying attention to the Nebraska State Board of Education and what they were doing. They were making the news a lot and started going to meetings, meeting people, hearing from parents, hearing from teachers, hearing from staff members, and really paying attention to the broader community, what's going on. On in our state and in as regards education so first time running for political office absolutely yeah, yes. how about that what what so um so when did you when did you make that decision to run um i announced in november okay so you've been at it a while yes and uh um yeah it's it, it it's it's a fascinating uh public service and uh, i just so appreciate everybody that 
that wants to throw their hat in the ring. And I just read that uh, there are several people leaving the board, uh, the State Board of Education, and so there's some turnover. And remind our listeners what the State Board does, how many members there are, uh, kind of the 101 of the State Board of Education. Because it's, you know, as you go down the ballot, uh, mm-hmm. f- fewer and fewer people um, recognize uh, it, it's not on the top of the list, but it's an important position. So anyway, help us understand what the State Board does. Sure. The Nebraska State Board of Education has eight members, and four are up for election this year. And like you said, half of the board is up for election, and all four incumbents are not returning. So we will have four new members. No matter who wins the election on November 5th, we will have four new Board of Education members, no incumbents this year. And so it's really an important role because the State Board of Education does set the standards, the policies and regulations. They determine how the school districts are assessed and the accountability there, and um, they have of professional practices divisions for teachers and staff to be uh, professionally developed to the best of their abilities. So, so eight, <coughs> eight members, I assume they're staggered. They're not all up at the, at the same time. Right. So, Every two so, years, four of them are up for election. So all yeah. four of these open seats are uh, going to be open new seats. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely open seats. No incumbents. And your district, so those eight uh, positions are across the state. Mm-hmm. And so uh, your, obviously, district encompasses Lincoln and mm-hmm. Lancaster County. Give us the, the territory. Sure. So basically the southern uh, district cutoff is Highway 2, as those of us who've lived here a while, or Nebraska Parkway. Um, so that's the southern district, southern border. And then on the west, it's the county line. On the east, it's uh, 112th Street. And on the north, it's the county line. So my district includes Central and North Lincoln, as well as Malcolm, Raymond, and Davie. Okay, okay. So you've got some... Some villages, some yes. smaller communities, yep. uh, but they have obviously public schools. I assume mm-hmm. in all yes. of those communities. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and I'm sorry, it's District One. You said yes, District okay. One. Okay. And I should say that the State Board of Education makes regulations not just for public schools, but also for private schools and for home-educated students. Okay. So every student in Nebraska is regulated by the State Board of Education, and I find that people don't know that, and so I always like to make sure that. We're all on the same page that every student matters to the State Board of Education. And so I think the other question a lot of people have is the relationship then between the State Board of Education and the policies and, 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 and procedures that uh, you're responsible for, that board is responsible for, and our local school boards. What's that relationship? Sure. I talked to the Education Commissioner, Brian Maher, and mm-hmm. he was great to outline that Nebraska is very much a local control state, which I think is fantastic because we have such a diverse state from the western panhandle to inner city omaha there's a lot of different demographics and different needs of different school districts so nebraska is very much a local control state and as far as school districts um, they have a lot of a lot of choice for what they do a lot of control for what they do and then of course within nebraska there need to be some standards of what kind of curriculum to a certain extent and how teacher certification works and who's allowed to teach and those kind of things Probably the saving grace of serving on the State Board of Education is you don't have to deal with property taxes. 
Right. There's a lot of financial <laughs> things that are out of the hands of the State Board of Education, but I'm hearing a lot from people about property taxes. And oh, yeah. Here in Lancaster County, 60% of our property taxes goes to Lincoln Public yeah. Schools, and we yeah. want we want that money to be used as efficiently as possible, and I think a lot of us feel like we don't know what happens to our money once it goes to Lincoln Public Schools, so that's one of my platform planks is I really would like to know. We'd like to have more transparency and funding to to give the voters the confidence, the citizens want to have confidence that that 60% of their property taxes, which for us in Lancaster County, ours just went through the roof. We want to know that our dollars are being used to the best of their ability. Well, that's interesting. Uh, even though you don't have any responsibility of setting those tax rates, you're suggesting there needs to be more transparency in, in those uh, those public school boards, those local school boards, uh, educating uh, voters. So. So that's that's kind of beyond the scope of the state board, but you're suggesting that that's something that's important for people to know. And if you've got a bully pulpit and you're going to uh, suggest that that needs to, yeah, because, yeah, cause yes, uh, we have people down here all the time, politicians, and, and that's obviously property taxes, legislatures dealing with that. There's, you know, it's the perennial issue. And uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought about that. So, um, and... Uh, we got a little time here before we go to break. So what are some of the other issues that you're talking about on the, out on the campaign trail? Sure. Well, as I talk to people, I've talked to superintendents and principals and teachers and staff. Uh, of course, the teacher shortage crisis is huge. And yes. um, it's only going to get worse unless we make sure that teachers feel supported by their administrators, supported supported by their compensation packages, um, supported by all the policies and regulations that we can give to them, and then remove some of the burdens of the um, just overwhelming things that they're expected to do. So um, I know that the LPS superintendent talked about behavior is the number one issue that he sees. And we know that teachers are leaving, not always because they don't feel like they're paid enough, but just because they're exhausted and they're overwhelmed. And so we want to make sure that our teacher, we have enough teachers and we have the right quality of teachers that our students are supported. So academics are a huge thing in the news these days. We've got talks of reading wars and, you know, how are we teaching our kids to read? Are we using the best um evidence-based curriculum? Are we um, giving our teachers the professional development they need so that our students can achieve? Because right now in Nebraska, we have about half of our students are proficient in English and math, which um, that's that's a significant issue if only about half of our kids are, are proficient in English and math. What is What do their options in life look like if you're not proficient in basic English and math? So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, back to the recruitment and retention of teachers. I hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I understand, you know, we've had Paul Gossman on and Lanny Boswell, uh, the chair of the uh, Lincoln Board of Education. And, and that's, uh, you know, with COVID, we saw a, a mass, not a mass maybe, but a large exodus of, of teachers uh, leaving. Again, not necessarily because of COVID, but certainly those were challenging times uh, for educators. I, uh, my heart goes out to those folks uh, uh, mm -hmm. to, to have gone through that. And, uh, but yeah, we've just seen a lot of retirements, at least in LPS in recent mm -hmm. years. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, those are, you know, I, I've always been a big advocate of, you know, that's one of the most important jobs anyone can have okay. is 
training up uh, our future and yeah. uh, our kids. And by golly, let's figure out a way to to pay them uh, mm-hmm. appropriately so we can hang on to those the good teachers. And the State Board of Education, again, like you said, we can't control the taxes, the levies, the bonds, but what the State Board of Education can do has a lot to do with teacher certification. So if we have teachers from other states and want to come into Nebraska, what are the things that we're doing to remove the barriers from qualified quality teachers coming in from out of state, from different kinds of positions? We want to make sure that the bureaucracy is as small as possible so qualified quality teachers can be here in our, our kids' schools. That makes a lot of sense. Liz, we're going to take this little break and come back and finish up. And you, you brought a special guest I want to have you introduce when we come back. Uh, Liz Davids is here with us, a candidate for state uh, Nebraska State Board of Education. Come on back after these messages. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Wednesday edition. Uh, thanks for sticking around. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, I won't be here the next couple days. You get to listen to some uh, some up-and-coming uh, Husker sports. My goodness, uh, the Husker basketball team, the men's basketball team is just tearing it up. And so anyway, the Husker basketball team, the men, uh, will take on Ohio State uh, tomorrow afternoon, pregame here on the Husker Network. Uh, starts at 430 and tip-off is 5.30. And then on Friday, the Husker baseball team takes on the College of Charleston. Johnny, we've never, we still haven't. I asked earlier where the College of Charleston is. Maybe South Carolina? I don't know. That sounds right. Anyway. I have not looked it up. I haven't either. It's someplace warm. We know that. So, although, boy, they could have been playing. Uh, they haven't had a home game. They could have had... Uh, Anyway, so anyway, we won't be here the next two days, but Husker Sports will. So enjoy that. Johnny and I get a couple days off. Uh, and uh, we are back with Liz Davids, a candidate for State Board of Education uh, in District 1. It includes uh, Lincoln and Lancaster County, some communities outside of, of Lincoln. Uh, and uh, Liz, you brought a special guest in here in the studio. You want to introduce did. this young lady? Sure thing. This is my 17-year-old daughter, Lydia. Hi, Lydia. Hi. Thanks for hanging out with uh, with us old people uh, <laughs> here on a uh, <clears throat> on a Wednesday afternoon. We appreciate that. So, uh, are you involved in the campaign? Do you have an official role? Oh, we're all definitely involved in the David's household. Nice. Um, uh, my main duties are behind the scenes work, and I also go out walking. Oh, so you're doing some door knocking. Oh yeah. Okay. So what? Uh, so what are the, some of the things you hear, uh, Lydia, when you're knocking on it? Well, first of all, what's your pitch? Hey, I'm helping my mom, and uh, tell us your pitch. Well, um, currently we're not talking face to face. At least that's not my job. We're okay. um, mainly distributing flyers. Sure. But if we do notice anyone, of course, we say, um, "Here's my mom's running for state board of education." We'll hand them the flyer. Go. Here's some information about that. If they have any questions, of course, we try to answer the questions. Just simple stuff like that. Wow, she's articulate. You've she done very, well, Liz. Yeah? Well, thank you. Yeah. How about that? Well, it. Uh, I think that's cool. And I've known other families that uh, you know just kind of dive in and, and make it. Um, a family thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, thanks for uh, texting in. Uh, it is South Carolina. It is uh, <laughs> the baseball. Thanks for that tip. It is the College of Charleston in South Carolina, the baseball uh, team on Friday. So, anyway, thanks for that. Um, 
yeah, so that's cool that you get to involve the whole family and make it make it fun because it's a long because you're here we we're only at the end of February. <laughs> you got to go through. Well, there's a primary. Uh, mm-hmm. May 14th. Are, there, are there more than two candidates for Not this seat? Not at this point. March 1st is the filing Friday deadline. Friday is a deadline, so, <laughs> so somebody could still file sure uh, could. By, by Friday, the end of business Friday. But if not, then both candidates will make it through the primary. And mm-hmm. so y- you know you'll uh, be doing this through November at least. Yep, and, May 14th is the primary date. Yeah. November 5th is the general. It's going to be a long year, but I have five kids ages 10 to 20. And oh, you've got a team. We do. We do have our team. And so it's been really sweet to involve them in different ways, whether it's putting stamps and yep. address labels on envelopes or being out doing a lot of doors and um, to teach them the value of a lengthy process, a, a hard work, something you believe in that you want to link arms with other people and have them join you in it it's been a really neat yeah really neat process for all of us lydia i'll tell you an old man story (laughs) um because uh when i was in college i was finishing college i i wanted to be involved in politics and so i literally knocked on the door of a gubernatorial candidate here in here in nebraska and said uh you know i'm finishing up college i'm interested in politics uh i've got uh, you know i studied uh, journalism at the university of nebraska and so you know i, I can write and uh, i want to be on the communications team and so put me to work and they said well you see that stack of uh, letters over there they're going to be folded and put stamps on and put in the mail mm-hmm. and so that's how i started my political career so here i am all these years later and <laughs> Uh, I don't stuff envelopes anymore, but anyway. So, so my kids are getting a jump start, is what you're saying. That's what <laughs> a I'm saying. Ten-year-old is exactly. light years ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, no, that's a great experience. And so, what are some of the things that you're hearing, uh, Liz, as you go door to door? Sure. Well, just today I talked with a psychologist who works for LPS, who was talking about recertification. So that um, I had never thought about before how many different roles there are in, that are included in the public school system. So, for instance, a psychologist works for the schools but is much more certified in their psychology pathway and so um, to treat a psychologist in a public school like a teacher is just not professionally you know so there's different things with renewing their certification rather than teacher certification renewal I've talked to deaf interpreters who um, also have issues with certification and coming in from being a professional interpreter to coming into uh, working in a public school again just removing certification barriers so we get quality people into the public schools that aren't frustrated by um, the certification process uh, getting teachers uh, from out of state and different professions into the public schools that are qualified and quality people that are frustrated by the, the certification process um, I've talked to principals um, specifically the Plattsmith middle school principal was terrific to talk to and he talked about a lot of different ways to get parents involved because when I talk to teachers who've been in the schools for 18 years there's been a significant change in the culture and in in the expectation of parents um, a lot less par- parent participation mm. a lot less accountability with some parents and their children and so um, as much collaboration as we can encourage between parents and the schools and the teachers um, then the kids benefit the schools benefit and so I know LPS has changed their cell phone policy and seen drastic yeah. improvement this year, which is so exciting. The Plattsmith Middle School principal was talking about bringing some accountability through detention back and just the profound um, positive experience they're all having when you know you draw some discipline lines and you have some 
accountability that wasn't there before and then the students really do respond to that in positive ways so behavior is a huge issue um, academic proficiency is a huge issue and teachers are working really hard we have so many great teachers and they're working really hard and we want to make sure that the great teachers stay and that we get teachers um, people interested in teaching I know the teachers colleges numbers are down too and so when people go to career fairs and they don't see that the teachers colleges have a lot of people that are graduating um, I think education is at a really challenging season right now I, I know there's been a lot of discussion uh, in the in recent years of preparing our kids uh, to to not only the possibility of going on to a four-year college but more and more emphasis on tech schools and community colleges and and because uh, again because of the cost of higher education that continues to spiral and uh, so I, I know LPS has done a really good job with that of, of encouraging uh, the students to look at uh, trade schools and, and community colleges and mm -hmm. and I just think that's uh, I think that's a positive move forward because let's face it not all of us are cut out for a four-year uh, college uh, career and and so there's uh, those other opportunities yeah speaking of that my oldest actually went through the LPS uh, career Academy yes he did a residential construction pathway with Lauren Stara who's a fantastic teacher my son loved it he is a hands-on kid and so he was building concrete walls and making uh, yeah. toolboxes out of wood and so he just had a fantastic time and I'm so grateful for all those really beneficial partnerships between the schools school districts and community resources yeah you bet well uh, Lydia before we get the heck out of here do you want to say hi to anybody um hi Hallie and Andrew nice <laughs> nice okay. shout out there okay there you go uh, Liz Davids thanks for being here Lydia thanks for tagging along folks that's the show I'm going to take a couple days off, uh, but you can still find me on the socials. So find me there, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great evening. Go do good things.